The following audio is from Morningstar Baptist Church in Dayton, Ohio. For more information about Morningstar, visit morningstardayton.org. Well, hello and welcome to the Morning Star Baptist Church Discussion Podcast. My name is Ben. I'm the associate pastor here at Morning Star Baptist Church, and I'm joined, as always, by John Decker, the lead pastor. John, how are you this morning? I'm doing good, Ben. How you doing? I'm great. It's the sun is finally out. Finally, <laughs> we've we moved. I moved to Dayton like two months ago. You moved six months ago, and this is the first time either of us have seen the sun. I think so. It feels like it. And it's sunny, but it still feels 20 degrees outside. So it's great. Yeah, it's you good know. to sit inside and look <laughs> right. out the window, but not actually love Dayton, Ohio. It's good. Yeah. yeah. So, well, I'm super excited as we continue to dive into um, community, and um, I I said last week and was really just talking back through with my wife about some of our small group stories that we just have some crazy ones, partially because we have um, two young kids, a three-year-old and a one-year-old, and uh, the the greatest story that that we were talking about, we got us laughing again, is Penelope, our our three-year-old, um, last year in our small group, the church where we were at, um, she was learning to potty train. And while she was learning to potty train, she got so excited because she pooped on the toilet for the very first time. Can you say poop on a podcast? Uh, you I mean, can. Okay, all right. You can. <laughs> you can say anything on a podcast, I guess. But she came running down the hall wearing not a stitch of clothing and lets our whole life group know that she pooped on the potty for the very first time. And then she took off running back down the hallway uh, in all her glory, just letting everybody know that she, and at that point, the Matt Chandler study that we were watching right. was done. I mean, there was just nothing. <laughs> we're going to celebrate Penelope. <laughs> <Yeah>. Congratulations. <laughs> and just think having a visitor there, like, like, Hey, this is discipleship, everybody. Yeah. yeah. That's great. I love yeah, it. So, I mean, you really do, especially when there's family and little kids involved. Right. You, you talk about seeing each other's messes. You just see all of it. Yeah. And uh, our our life group, which is what we called our small groups um, at the church that we were at before, um, was actually a split off of another another group. And that's the the thing that that I love is they get to a certain size where they're too big and mm-hmm. you have to split them. And right. that's always a weird like feeling because you're so excited about the group that you have and it's growing and there's momentum and then. Like, all right, we're going to cut ourselves in half now. <laughs> and that multiplication by division thing is is hard, but it's it's good. And we stepped out with, with one other couple, and um, they bo- we both lived in the s- south of the church, um, closer to Cincinnati at the time. And when we were there, uh, the other couple sometimes would beat us to our house. I was working at, uh, in Tri-County, which is about 30 minutes north of our house. Christine was working 30 minutes south of our house, and they would beat us there. And after the third time of them sitting out in front of our house for 15 minutes, we just gave them a key. And like, so <laughs> nice. we had a joke. We called it the life group shuffle, where you'd go into your house and you'd take the mess that your kids made and you would just shove it into their rooms. And right. then the mess that you made, you'd shove it into your room and you'd just try and like make your house look reasonably clean. And so they, it got to the point, like they were helping us with a life group shuffle. We'd get there and they were like throwing our kids toys in their rooms. And, <laughs> and it was like, really like just, Hey, come on in, do what you need to do. Or sometime, one time I came in and like, he was laying on the the couch, just like half awake because he had a long day at work. <laughs> and it, it was just, you know, community when you have that type of community where you, mm-hmm. you can give somebody a key to your house and it's just, 
you know, wide open like that yeah. is, is exhilarating and it's, and it's life-changing to the point they actually were offered a really great job um, in a different city and decided specifically because they had finally found community inside the church in one of these small groups that it wasn't worth the extra money to possibly go back into that social isola- isolation. Right. And it was a, a cool story to watch unfold as they really wrestled with a significant pay increase Mm-hmm. and moving to Pittsburgh from Cincinnati and community and what was valued more. And in the end, it was it was community. And we watched as they had a baby who had some um, health difficulties right up front. Our, our group was able to be their support in a way that they wouldn't have had had they gone um, to Pittsburgh. And so right. it was a really cool, cool story um, of how those small groups and that community – uh, was just changed radically their life, and it changed radically our life. Yeah, and you and I were even talking about that this morning about some specific people in our church right now that we've had conversations with that they are developing some deep community within our own church. Like their kids are connected more than they've ever been connected, and and they're connecting more. And we, you know, without going too deep, we had an amazing thing happen last night. One of our our small groups last night, even here at the church, that just God just is working through this and community is is taking place. And and sometimes and I know what we're kind of talking about today is sometimes um, there's some barriers to that. And and I I kind of refer to it as fences because uh, where we lived in Missouri before we moved here, when we first bought our house, there was there was no fence in the backyard. And when we first moved in, we were thinking, oh man, like, like our neighbors are right there. There's no, like, and so in our minds, we're like, okay, we got to build a fence because it's our yard. And how are we going to, how are we going to like make sure that we stay within our own boundaries and that kind of stuff. And, and I remember as we got to know the people behind us, that, that became one of the deepest relationships that we had. And it was even outside of the context of church walls but it was this community that we built and to the point where before we left we lived there for 14 years and they were our, literally became some of our best friends and like if something happened and we need somebody to watch the kids or like an emergency immediately our first call was to them it was just how that worked and and we we did we shared holidays together fourth of july some other things we would hang out at and to the point where before we left before we moved it was it was odd to even think that we would ever even had a fence in that backyard. And but what was interesting, we had a fence on the side of our house. And there's something about that fence that with those neighbors, we were still friendly. We knew them, but we weren't near as close and tight as the ones without a fence separating. I don't know if that makes sense, but um, and so it's just interesting that in our own lives, there's there's things and barriers that can become roadblocks or what I just say fences to like we can get to know them on a certain level. And we can recognize their faces in our life and we can kind of know a little bit about them, but we'll never go as deep as what God really intended us for ha- to have with that fellowship and that community in our churches um, if we have some kind of fence up. Yeah, I think it reminded me, we had the house I grew up in, there was a, house, a fence on, on one side that was a three-foot fence. And so that guy and us, he was an older gentleman and we were really close. So the fence was a short fence and there was no real gate in between. It was just an, an open fence. So you could kind of go over there mm-hmm. next to us. There was a six foot chain link fence. And if like we hit a wiffle ball into their yard, like, we just got a different <laughs> wiffle ball. Like you just weren't going over there. And so like there was a six foot fence and then behind us, there was one of those solid wood slat privacy fences. Mm-hmm. And, we lived there till I was 
12. My parents lived there for another five years before like 17 years or something. And we never even knew the name of the people mm. that live behind the privacy fence. And so in a lot of ways, I've kind of, we've kind of coined this phrase that, that fences can be community killers. Yeah. They can yeah. really just stop the community cold. And I think that would be a great topic for us to dive into are what are some community killers, some things that can just squash community and make it nearly impossible for community to happen. They can build these natural fences and walls and they even cause us maybe if we experience these things, they cause us to put up even more fences in our lives if we're a part of this. And and so want to kind of dive into some of these community killers we kind of identified before we mm-hmm. we got started here today yeah and i think the, what we're going to go through today it's there are a lot of them are universal um it's it's not necessary specific to our church i mean it's it's everywhere and and there's probably more you know but i think you and i kind of came up with like four of the top ones that we've seen in action that have really kind of uh can just really quash that and kill it and and so i'm excited about jumping in today because maybe there's some things that we can recognize in ourselves that hey you know maybe in my church and maybe me, you know, this, these are the fences that I build up because I'm uncomfortable with this thing. And so, and you know, the biggest thing, reason why a lot of us have fences in our life is we don't even recognize that we built them. Um, and sometimes it helps to take a step back and look and say, okay, where am I, where am I building these barriers to keep people out? Or sometimes, honestly, we do that because we're so, um, self-conscious. We almost just to keep ourselves locked in. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, it's, I remember sometimes you want to build a privacy fence so you can't see the neighbor's mess, but mm-hmm. sometimes you build a privacy fence so the neighbor can't see right, your mess. Right. <laughs> and I, with a one-year-old and a three-year-old, when we get, the kids get outside, I mean, they just they drag stuff everywhere, and yep. it's like I look back there and it's like overwhelming. Like I don't know how I'm ever going to pick all those <laughs> toys up, and if I do tomorrow, they're going to drag them back out again. Right. And they're too little to even like explain to them some of, especially the one-year-old, like. Picking, he just likes to throw any ball that he can find. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to go pick them up. He just wants to throw them. <laughs> and so it's it's easy to to build those fences so that the neighbors can't see your mess, but also you don't want to see their mess either. Right. And so the first one that we identified, and I think it's one that um, we've all experienced, we've all probably taken part in. It's one that is so rampant, I think, even in the church um, but outside the church, just in life, is gossip. And mm. I think you have an awesome definition of gossip. So I'll let you just start off with this one and, and kind of run, and we'll just jump back and forth on that. Yeah, and I think it's interesting that it's this is something that's been around since the beginning of the church, really, because Paul addressed it, I mean, how many times in some of his letters to the New Testament church, that, hey, churches that, hey, look, this is not healthy. And it's yeah. also something that really God is not pleased with at all in the church. And and so gossip and how I look at it, how I kind of help define it to a lot of people is if I go to someone to share some information with them, that that person has zero authority or zero ability to change, then that's gossip. Uh, so if I came to you, Ben, and I said, hey, man, do you, do you see uh, Joe was, was out with another woman uh, out to eat the other day? I mean, do you see that? You have no ability to change that. You have no authority to change that. Um, and so for that, that's gossip. And it doesn't have to be something that serious. It could be anything. And so I think when we realize that if I'm spreading or I'm talking about anything that I can't fix myself, that I have no authority or that person that I'm sharing with has no authority or power to fix or in their ability to fix, then it's gossip. And I think that's, that's kind of where we get caught up. We're like, okay, well, what if it's, if it's true, then it's not gossip. I've actually heard that before. Well, if it's true, yeah. it's not gossip. Well, 
it, yeah, you're not making it up, but if you're sharing it with someone who has no authority or ability to change that, then that's gossip. And that really tears people down. Yeah, I think when you look at gossip and people are sharing information, you know, sometimes um, I think we've got to even be careful parents talking about a situation with somebody we know in front of our kids, whether that we're talking directly to our kids, but, you know, they can then the kid goes and tells another kid and that kid right. tells her and, and that just spreads and gossip can be so rampant in that way. But I think if you look at gossip and the effects of gossip, it's only ever negative. Mm -hmm. I've never seen a reason why telling somebody about something that they can't fix, something that you can't fix, mm -hmm. has had any positive impact on a situation. Right, right. And, and so one of the things we share in our new members class that we kind of walk through this because it is addressed so much in the New Testament. And one of the huge community killers from the New Testament churches on till today is that, look, you know how you stop it? Here's how you stop gossip. Obviously, some people are like, well, I'm uncomfortable saying, stop talking about it. So I tell them, I was like, here's what you do. You say, hey, that sounds super important. That sounds like it's super serious. Like, uh, and, and, and I think we need to do something about that. Let's go talk to Pastor John about that because I think he might be able to help. And I tell him, I kind of laugh. I say, they're not going to go with you. And what's going to happen is they're not going to come to you with gossip anymore. And at some point, on some level, if everybody in our churches started doing that, then eventually the person who feels that need to share that information, they run out of people who actually are going to listen to it. Because as long as people are listening to it, they're going to keep sharing. Yep. Um, and, and so that's, but it tears down. It really does. Because usually the whole truth isn't available at right. that time. Like it's the, the entire story is always three sides to the story. Uh, there's, there's that one person's side, the other person's side and the truth, which is usually somewhere in the middle. And, um, and so they don't have the whole story and they're telling people who don't have anything to, who can't fix it. And usually they're telling people cause it helps elevate themselves and their own mind and eyes, like their status in the church for some odd reason. Uh, it gives power to it's them. Like, it's like peeking over the privacy fence and saying their backyard is a disaster. Right. And you tell the other neighbor who can see some of your mess, like, right. I know it's a little messy here, but I looked over the air fence and it's a disaster. You should see <laughs> the stuff. And I think it causes us, I think there's two real fences that can get built um, around gossip. Because what happens is if, if you came to me about Joe and something that he was doing, nine times out of 10, some way or another, it's going to get back to Joe that people are talking about that. Mm -hmm. And Joe is going to isolate himself Right. from people in the church. And so he's going to build a fence that says, instead of caring enough for people to have a real conversation with me about what was happening, right. they made an assumption. And so I'm not going to let anyone in. Right. And right. that's one that I think we've all experienced. And right. we're like, if I can't trust people, I'll just build a fence. Right. It shuts people down. And, and the whole thing about community is being open. And like that word fellowship we talked about last week was that koinonia, though you go deep um, in that relationship. And I saw this somewhere and I, I don't know where exactly I saw it, but it says that it says walk alongside people and not at them. Yeah. The whole idea is this, is that they can't, we can't judge people. It doesn't mean we don't address sin. That's a totally different story, but we don't judge people. And the people in these small communities, if they don't feel like they, they, they can be real with their messiness and hey, and have somebody walk alongside them instead of walk at them. I think it's huge because we see all throughout um, the gospels that Jesus walked alongside people. He mm -hmm. walked alongside the 12 and when things needed to be addressed, he addressed it as they were walking alongside one another. He walked alongside the hurting, the woman caught in adultery, um, the the blind, the, the the hurting. He walked alongside them instead of walking at them. And, and then we see the response that people were just drawn to this, 
this guy that obviously, I mean, he was speaking truth. Yeah. He was doing it in love, but he was that genuine concern. Like, I'm going to, I'm not going to gossip about you. I'm not going to talk about you. I'm going to, I'm going to talk with you. I'm not going to talk at you. I'm going to talk with you. I'm going to walk alongside you. And I think if our communities can stay away from that barrier, that fence of gossip and whatever you want to call it and Mm -hmm. judging, whatever that is, if we can stay away from that, then it frees people up to open up about their messiness because man, the power of the gospel is still there, but if people aren't opening up about it and sharing and letting other people speak truth in their lives, because they're so scared that somebody's going to judge them or talk about them behind their back, then that community will never grow deeper. And that, that barrier not only gets built up with one another, that barrier gets it built up between them and God. Yep. And that's the last thing that we want to, we don't want to be a stumbling block or a hindrance to anybody relationship with God. And so to grow deeper with God, we got to grow deeper with one another um, and, and vice versa. So, yeah, that's the kind of that, that other fence that, that I was alluding to when I said there was two is one, we put up a fence with other people. Mm-hmm. And then two, it's like, with these are God's people, I don't really want anything to do with that kind of, of God or that kind right. of religion with that kind of organization. So they build a wall or a fence there. And so that's, yeah, I, I completely agree. I think that's another one. And I think that kind of leads me to talk about these, these building of, of walls and fences. It kind of leads to this second community killer that um, can really be described in, in two ways. You could call it unforgiveness, mm-hmm. or maybe you could call it grudge, you know, holding a grudge towards somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's another huge com- community killer that, um, people are being held hostage um, to in this, this idea of not being able to forgive or holding grudges. Yeah. That's, and that's a hard one. You know, we, we, we all are wronged at some point by someone and human nature is we all seek after one of the first reactions we have when we're wronged. If you wrong me, if you do something against me, my first reaction is I want justice and justice looks different to everybody. For some people, I, if I want justice, that might be something as simple as I demand an apology from you, right? Yeah. If I want justice, that might be something that I, I want you to have to pay for whatever you've done, um, either financially or sometimes we take justice. I want you to have to feel what you made me feel. And so then we come into a church setting. We're like, hey, you know, we, uh, you know, God, he, he not only forgives our sin, but he also forgets it when we confess it and he separates it as far as the East is from the West. And sometimes we don't understand that we're human. We can, we're not God. We can forgive, but that forgetting part is, is hard, but we got to be careful that we don't cross over that line where it's not just that we're not forgetting, but we're actually bringing it up or we're not letting it go. And so this idea that in churches, you're, we're, you are an intimate community in a a church and people are, they're people we're broken, right? I'm going to say something that's going to that's going to upset somebody. I'm going to mm-hmm. do something that somebody doesn't agree with, uh, whether I do it intentionally or unintentionally. Yeah. And, and so are you. And so is everybody else in this church. Cause we're all human. And, but what that is, is one, it's a big barrier that Satan uses to keep people from going back to church. Well, you know, can't believe Ben did this to me. So I am never stepping foot in that church again because he's still there. Um, and, and really what we're doing is when we hold up, when we hold grudges, not only are we killing community, but we're, we're, harboring bitterness yeah and bitterness is the cancer that eats away us not the person that it's pointed at it always affects us and it will affect our relationship uh with god it will keep us from going deeper with god because he said look if you can't forgive that's a big deal like i've forgiven you i have moved past that i have covered it like it never happened and so i'm asking god says i'm telling you you need to do that with with 
others who wronged you. And, and let's be honest, uh, we, this really boils down to self without getting too ahead of ourselves. The next one, because what it says is I've been wronged and I deserve justice. I deserve a judgment to be rendered. And it's my right to have that. Well, when we stop and we go, wait a minute, but how have I wronged God? Mm-hmm. I violated God's holiness and his standard. And the only one who really has the, the, uh, the authority and the right to claim justice is God. And yet he laid that all aside because he poured it out on his son, Jesus. And so we've got to step back and go, okay, my unforgiveness. Yeah. They might've done something horrible to me, but if I'm, if I'm, if I'm going to say, well, I'm, I'm forgiving, but I'm going to hold a grudge, then we haven't forgiven. Yeah. Um, it doesn't mean we forget because wounds take a long time to heal. But when we internalize it and become bitter, that just adds more to it. And I think what what happens a lot is we come re- we be, we've become really good because we know unforgiveness is bad. Mm-hmm. We know grudges are bad. So most of the times we won't say like I don't forgive that person or I'm holding a grudge or I'm harboring bitterness. Or, we won't say those things. We'll say things like like I've forgiven them. I just don't trust them or want a relationship anymore. Right. Right. Like I just. I, I forgive them. I just don't want anything to do with them right. anymore. And it's right. like, okay, well, there's obviously something there. And I, I think a lot of times it comes from uh, a lack of understanding of what grace yeah. really looks like. Like, mm-hmm. It's almost like we're willing to extend mercy. Like, I I forgive them, so I, I'm not going to punish them where I just think they deserve to be punished. Right. But I'm not going to give them unearned favor in mm-hmm. any way. They need to earn back this opportunity to be in my life. Like, mm-hmm. like I really have something to offer to somebody <laughs> so great that they need to, to work at it. And, and unforgiveness and grudges, I think become a breeding ground to a lot of other community killers. Right. And even some that we're not going to talk about, but a lot of times grudges, um, will, will lead to gossip. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So, right. you know, you're, you're, you're still angry about something. So you're like, Hey, you know, I, uh, don't I would stay away from that person because right. they they hurt me and they'll probably hurt you too and 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 there's it becomes this whole just fence building right. and the clinic. battle the battle lines get drawn yeah. and it's almost like you have to choose sides to do that and um and it really does destroy that whole community because here's the when you go deep in community and we open ourselves up we yes we there's a risk that we're going to get hurt and and it's because we're opening ourselves up, but we will never ever be able to open ourselves up as much as what it meant for Jesus to open himself up. Not only to take on the form of flesh and and come to this earth, but to take on the full wrath and punishment of God for our sin. And so the least we can do is say, you know what? I'm not God. I'm not Jesus, uh, but I can try to open myself up, understand that you might get hurt. And if you do, then that's where we have that chance to live out grace and say, you know what? Yeah. I'm going to move past this and I'm going to show that mercy and the grace to this person because God has forgiven me and I'm going to extend that forgiveness and without requiring that justice be met first. And so I think that's, that's why it's such a huge community killer. So here, here's one for you that I think a lot of times we get into when we talk about forgiveness, especially um, with us dealing with both dealing with teenagers a lot, you, mm-hmm. you at the summer camps and then as a youth pastor and, and me as a youth pastor, even now, um, a lot of times students, well, they, they didn't really say sorry. They've never even admitted <laughs> they did anything wrong. Right. And we watch, the, again, that bitterness and grudge grow. So how would you tell a church person or or just a person in general? Maybe that, you know, we've got somebody listening to the podcast. It's like, I don't know what I think about Jesus and religion or any of that stuff, but but I'm, I'm interested to hear about this community thing. 
And how would you tell somebody, this is how you deal with somebody that's that's not really, they, they aren't really looking for forgiveness, but they're still harboring these grudges and these this bitterness that's eating them alive. How would you lead someone um, to walk through that fence tear down? Right. Well, really, that's a fence that we've built. It's not a fence that that other person built. So if I build a fence on my property, I have every right to tear that fence down at any time. So we, we first of all have to realize that it's not that other person's fence, even though they've wronged us. And, and we're like, man, but they're not asking for forgiveness. I, I have to first understand that's my fence. Mm-hmm. And I can live looking at that fence for the rest of my life. Or at some point I can say, you know what? That fence does not have to confine me. That fence does not have to define me as who I am. And in no way does it have to keep me locked up in here. At any moment I can go tear that fence down. And it's just the question of how long do you want to live wrapped up and locked up in your own fence that you've built? And what's hard to get them to understand sometimes, but you just kind of kind of lead them here is that the moment you tear that fence down, even if they don't cross over and ask for forgiveness is the moment that you have victory right. and that no longer has any control over you. Cause really what it does is unforgiveness keeps control over us. It is what really we become a slave to that. And when we finally realize, we get people to realize, understand that the freedom and the liberty that is found in one, the forgiveness that Christ has given us and the power that he's given us to forgive others. That's where it, that's, that's where that real life. And you know what? I'm not a prisoner anymore, but we got to realize we're the ones building the fence. Right. I think a lot of times what's really interesting is we build a fence to say, I'm keeping these people out mm-hmm. because they, they really hurt me. And and we look and we're like, good, they can't get in. But then we what we realize when we finally tear the fence down is, holy cow, I can find myself. Mm-hmm. They were able to go anywhere they wanted. Right. They didn't even want to be inside my fence. Right. I just locked myself in this little tiny space mm-hmm. in effort to keep them out. And that grudge and that unforgiveness was really only hurting me. Right. That person that didn't say sorry mm-hmm. still doesn't care. Right. You know, right. and a lot of times that's where, or they're like, hey, they didn't even know that they, yeah, a lot they of hurt times. you. Right. You know, and yep. I think sometimes too, I think it, whether it's gossip or unforgiveness, you know, looking at how does the Bible say to deal with somebody when there's conflict mm-hmm. is paramount i mean it's it's not about demanding something from them um but it is about having the wherewithal for the sake of community and not for the sake of gaining justice but for the sake of not living in this type of of confined area of going to that person and having a conversation and that that can be uncomfortable and it can that can be. be hard. It can be. But really, this again, this kind of goes back to last week. We talked about it's one of Satan's tools just to lead us to isolation. And what better way for Satan? I mean, Satan doesn't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll build the fence. Yeah. You know, he just has to have us have that unforgiving spirit um, or that, that judgmental gossiping attitude. And we'll build the fence for him. And he's just like, okay, I got you isolated. And, and so really, it's about breaking out of that isolation. Yep. Yep. And, and I think all this kind of comes down to our last two that we've kind of grouped into one category, but um, we, we called them two different community colors, but I think that, that they kind of fall in that same category. And, and it's really pride is one, and, and then self-centered living or selfish living, those two things that are very intertwined. They are. Um, they're not always the same, but they are very intertwined. that are really massive community colors that can be tied even to the the first two that we talked about yep. 
Yeah, they really can. I, and so I'll touch on pride first and then we can kind of lead into the other one. Uh, pride really is, is that, that idea that, that attitude that says, um, I'm better, um, or I'm above. And so I think one thing that keeps people from wanting to get involved in smaller community, what we call our grow groups here and going deeper is the idea of like, I'm, I don't need that. Yeah. Right. Like I'm, I, I'm, I, I'm good with my walk with God. I'm, I'm progressing, but we don't understand that we're progressing at a slower rate when we do it in isolation than we ever could if we would just jump in the community and do it. And so that's the biggest thing about pride. And like, I don't want to open myself up because people are going to see my faults and, and we, man, we're so bad. At, I'm bad about this. You come yeah. to church, you feel like I put the face on where nothing is wrong in my life. Like I've got it all together, but you know what? I, that wears me out because yeah. I can't keep that facade up for any length of time because it drains my energy. Like at some point, like my messiness, it's like, I feel like I'm keep like plugging holes in the dam. Right. And, yeah. and the new holes keep coming out. I'm like, I can't let that part out of me because, and it, and it's not sustainable. And that's where you see Christians just, they just walk away from church. They refuse to go into smaller group community. They, they won't get, they won't serve. And man, so pride is a huge, huge community killer. And, and it just kind of keeps us elevated in our own mind above everybody else. Yeah, I think it reminds me of when we we moved our into our house in Colerain, um, that we just sold. Thankfully, um, when when you would drive around the corner when we first bought the house, you could see into our neighbor's backyard, our backyard, the next person's backyard, and it was it, you could look right up um, and see everything that was in our backyard. And and we didn't like that, especially with knowing that we were going to have kids and, and we eventually did there, we didn't really want our kids to be able to be in the backyard mm-hmm. and anyone driving by see it. So we did build a privacy fence on that side. Um, but we did it kind of in a hurry. My right. dad and I did it. We were like, we didn't have a lot of time. We put it up and we only stained one side of the fence. And if you, you could take a guess, but everybody would be right. You stained the outside of the fence. Right. And I think that's what pride is. You know, I cover up my mess I don't, the backside of my fence is ugly and nasty, but the outside, man, is pristine and it looks amazing. Mm -hmm. And you can't see my mess and it looks like, man, we are just have it all together. And like our craftsmanship on the fence is awesome. (laughs) And, and wow, I couldn't ever even imagine building a fence like that. But really, you walk around the other side of the fence and it's unfinished and there's junk in the backyard. And, and pride in a lot of ways is saying, you know, I made the outside look so awesome. Um, and I don't need you to be a part, but, right. but pride is, is such a, not just a community killer, but it's a, it's a, a character kill. It kills you. It kills your insides to, right. to make that outside look so awesome because the inside is just rotting. Right. Right. It, it is. And, and I think that kind of ties in with the other issue of pride is that it's that thing that says, I I can't ask people to come into my home. I can't ask people to come spend time with me because what if they see my mess, like, not just my messy life, but my house. Like what if they they see the dust on the, on the entertainment center or the, they, they see uh, man, my bathroom's not completely clean. And so we're like, okay, well then they're going to judge me. And so we kind of project gossiping and judging on other people who would in reality never do that. Right. Uh, but we think, well, what are they going to think of me? Like what's, what's going to get around about me if they see that, man, my, my carpet's ripped here in this area and we got to get past that because it's going to keep us from going deeper with people just because we're worried about what they're going to think about us. And so the other one was self-centered uh, living. And, and this is that idea that says, 
my time is so important. Like mm-hmm. I, I got so much going on. I can't make time. And I, and I hear this said this way, and I kind of want to talk about this. I, that says, you know, I, I need some downtime. Like I just, yeah. I need some me time, which yeah. is totally, I get it. Sometimes we're just running, 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 running. But at that point, I think we need to stop and look and say, okay, am I running too much? Yeah. But every time I hear somebody say, well, I, I need some downtime, I need some me time. You know what we end up doing? <laughs> we end up sitting on our couch or on our bed. We pull out our phone or our computer. We either binge watch Netflix or we pull out our screen and we just like flick through social media. I think our generation is probably the generation that has the strongest dexterity and muscles in our forefingers and our thumbs and any other yeah. generation just from flicking through social media. And it's like this mind numbing thing. So we're not doing anything productive. We're not, we're not even having downtime. We're still looking at stuff, comparing ourselves to other people. So I'm like, what, what if we were able to do what, what the new Testament says by redeeming that time for something totally, totally different. And maybe that looks like investing in someone else. So self-centered living, it really just says, you know, I, I don't have time. I don't have time for other people. I don't have time to disciple. I don't have time to invest in. I don't have time for a phone call. I, you know, I just need me time. What really, what it means is it, it just comes down to that whole thing of selfishness and I want something and I'm going to do what I can to get it and not letting anybody or anything else in to that time. And again, I, I want to be careful. I'm not saying that we don't need a break. I, yeah. I think we all need that time of, we all need a Sabbath. We, we all need, need rest. that. We, need we do really need rest. a time of rest, but honestly, are we resting if we're sitting down and, and watch binge watching something or we sitting down and just flicking. I, I, we need a time where we disconnect for sure. But I think there's ways that we could redeem time in our day that we'll, and we would find that, you know, we have to, we do have a little bit more time in yeah. our day that we can do, even if it's just something really simple community, like walking next door and just saying hi, or, or making that phone call to someone in the church or someone, you know, and just, just a few minutes, like they have to be like a day killer. Right. right. Just something that says it's not about me. Cause think about this the other day is how short our lives are anyway. Yeah. Right. We, we're all given 24 hours in a day, but I mean, even if we live to be 80, how fast does that go? And you know, I just turned 40 this past year and I'm like, that's how ha- I'm halfway there. Like I'm halfway to 80 and how fast 40 years, four decades have flown by. And I can't even imagine. And so to think that how much time have I wasted? Yeah. Not even in the 40 years. Let's just say the last three months. How much time have I wasted doing absolutely nothing and really just saying, well, it's about me. It, right. You know, I, I need this time. And I think we need to be wise about setting that t- time aside for rest and rejuvenation. But honestly, most of the time I wasn't resting. Right. I, I was just saying, hey, I, I want to do something. And it was really all about me. And I think so we don't make time for community. Right. I think... I think self-centered living plays out with our time. I think it also plays out and really can drive us into a spiral is let's say um, in your life, you and I are friends and, and you put up a fence um, just because of something that's happened in your life or I meet a fence and I get self-centered to the place. I say, hey, why would he put a fence up against me? I'll show him because if he wants to, I can build a better fence than he can build. Mm-hmm. And, and it drives us to make other people's problems about us when they're really not and it and it creates almost this fence building competition where our pride our self-centeredness like comes together and if they don't want to live in community then i'll show them i don't need them anyway and and then our pride and and self-centeredness kind of go into crazy mode which drives to grudges and gossip and it drives to all these other community killers i think self-centered living is so the opposite of how Christ 
showed us how to live, the things that he taught, mm-hmm. that it comes with so many things um, where it starts out, maybe I want to be a help to you. I can see you're struggling with something and, and what you're struggling with, you may not be ready to talk about right now. And so I take it personally. And then it's not really about me anyway. Right. And it's because I've, I've got everything self-centered. Or mm-hmm. I filter everything you do through how it affects me. And I assume your motives are based on your feelings for me. And, and I think that just murders and destroys any sense of community and relationship that, that we could have. Right. It does. And I think one of the things that opens up when we actually do start living in community is this idea of, of serving. And I mean, even Jesus said, he said that the son of man didn't come to be served, but to serve. And, and if we're going to be a Christ follower, if we're going to follow him, then our motivation has to be served. Well, we can't have a servant motivation and have a self-centered heart at the same time. The Mm -hmm. two cannot coexist. And so when we start filtering everything through, how can I speak truth, love and encouragement in the life of someone else, anyone else? One, it's going to start changing lives of people around us, but two, it's going to keep that focus off of us. And when that happens, community just naturally that koinonia just naturally starts to happen mm-hmm. uh, because messiness is no longer a problem. Gossip is no longer a problem. Fence building, unforgiveness, all that. It just seems to melt away when we really, because this self-centered is really at the heart of all of it. It really is. And when we can just say, it's not about me. It's not about the person in the mirror. It's who I'm reflecting through my life that matters. Then man, that just really changes. And that's when people can actually go deeper. Yeah. So I, I think the, the question that begs as we come towards the end of this with these community killers and, and these fences and these things we've talked about is if you are talking to somebody right now and they say, I've got this fence in my life um, and I don't know where to start to tear it down, what would you tell them? Um, what would be advice that you would give to them? Say, I've got a fence in my life. I've got a struggle with this. I've got a struggle with that. Um what would you tell them to to do? Well, I think if they've already recognized that they have a fence, I, I think the easiest way I can say this is, and we talked about this actually a couple of weeks ago in, in one of our, our messages, is um, if, if five frogs are sitting on a log mm-hmm. and three of them decide to jump in, how many frogs are still on the log? There's still five. Because just because you decide to do something doesn't mean that you're going to do it. And so what I would say is that only you can tear it down. If you right. recognize and you know there's a fence of unforgiveness, there's a fence of pride, there's a fence of self-centeredness, there's a fence of, uh, of, of whatever one of the things we've talked about, then grab a hammer and start right. busting it down. And, and there's, there's, cause you can sit here and go, that's a fence. Yep. I don't, I don't need it there. I probably need to get rid of that right. Then get rid of it. Cause only you can tear that down. Now, obviously, man, you need to one, find you a mentor. You need to find somebody who's mm-hmm. actually pouring into you. I think everybody should always have a Timothy and a Paul in their life. And just, I don't want to go on a whole different topic here, but you need to have somebody who's pouring into you as a Paul in your life. And you need to have somebody you're pouring into as a Timothy, um, in your life. And so find somebody who can pour into you and say, Hey, look, here, I got this fence and I know I need to tear it down. Can you help keep me accountable? Like I want to bust through this. I don't want to be unforgiving anymore. I don't want bitterness anymore. I'm tired of being captive in my own yard. I'm done with that. I want to break out. And then give it, obviously find somebody important to you, but most, most important is I mean, give it to Jesus. Like yep. God, I don't want to live this way. This is not honoring you. I need the strength and the courage to break this down 
understanding that what I might see when I break this down, what might I might encounter might be uncomfortable and it might be, man, I got, it's going to stretch me, but I know I can do it in the, in your power. And so I want you to help me do this. And then man, just start tearing that thing down. Like stop living in there. Right. You know? That's exactly right. I think we build fences and we're like, man, it took me a year to build that fence. Mm-hmm. And, and I built it so well and you can build anything you want. Mm-hmm. And I promise you, I can tear it down faster than you can build it. Right. And and the reality is, is there's nothing like grabbing a sledgehammer the first time mm-hmm. and just tearing something down. Right. I mean, right. I think that's if you've done any home renovation of any kind, there's nothing um, quite as stress relieving as mm-hmm. ripping something right to the ground. And and fences in our lives are the same way. Right. Um, you can't say, well, this is why I put it up and, and this is how long it took me to, to put it up and this is how I built it because it, it really doesn't matter at right. that point. Right. At, sometimes we've got fences in our lives and we know they're there and we might remember why they're up, but all we know is like we don't let people in. Right. I'm not even sure anymore why I don't let people in, but I don't let people I in. I just know, right. Yeah, yeah. so it's like pick up, the, like you said, pick up that sledgehammer right. and just knock the thing to the ground right. and realize that the person on the other side of the fence they might be living in isolation too. And for you to walk over to them and say, hi, I'm Ben, I'm your neighbor, right. whether it's legitimately your neighbor or somebody in your, your church congregation or, or whatever. Hey, I'm, I'm Ben. You, you want to grab coffee sometime or, right. you know, Hey, like we're going to have a grill out next week. You want to come over? They've probably been thinking about how do I engage that, that person too. And so somebody has to make that awkward right. step first. And it's, it's really not a, a small tool, you know, precise move. It is a hammer move. Yeah, it's messy. It is. It, it really is. is. Yep. Things get broken and mm-hmm. you got to might, you might have to have your safety glasses on so you don't catch something <laughs> in the eye. Right. But man, sometimes you just got to kick it down right. and it's for the betterment of everyone. It is. I mean, even Jesus said that he's, he's all about the tearing down of strongholds. Yeah. Well, he's about busting down walls and, mm-hmm. and, and the walls that separate us from him. And the walls that separate us from each other, because we talked on Sunday how the two are linked. Yep. Um, our, our growth in community with one another is linked to our growth um, in Christ. And because Paul said, I want you to, as you increase in the knowledge of your faith, you also increase in the love you have for one another. What that tells us is they're connected. Yep. And so just start doing it. I mean, obviously in the power of Jesus, he's the one that's going to do it through you. Just recognize the wall and bust it down um, and don't live trapped anymore. And then I love, I'm going to go back to that statement as we finish out is go find someone and walk alongside them and don't walk at them. And the more people we have walking alongside us, man, community, not only is community going to happen, but life change is going to happen. And that's, what's exciting. Yep. Awesome talk this week. Can't wait to see uh, what next week holds as we dive into go and what that looks like but until next week 